It's Friday, which means it's time to get in the cage here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino. It's always a pleasure to speak with this man. You read his stuff at yahoosports.com. Does a great job covering combat sports, MMA, and boxing. I'm talking about the one, the only, Kevin Ioli is with us. Kevin, how are you, man? I am doing awesome, Bob. Thanks for having me back on. It's good to talk to you again. I want to I want to hit a few different things coming up in the world of uh, MMA with you in a moment. But I was, I was looking at your uh, Twitter page, and people can follow you on twitter at kevin i at kevin i on twitter and you had a poll question you had a poll question on the rematch concerning tyson fury and deontay wilder and uh you know you were asking for the results is it going to be wilder by a ko tko fury by ko tko fury by decision or wilder by decision i i was stunned to see that it was fury by decision did you were you expecting that what, what do you expect in that fight I guess if I was to say I was surprised, Bob, it would be the fact that it wasn't wider for Fury by decision. Uh, Fury is the consummate boxer, and I think generally when a boxer and a slugger fight, if you're a high-level boxer, you go with a high-level boxer. Um, So I felt like uh, maybe it would be 55 to 60% in favor of Fury winning by uh, decision. Uh, as opposed to Wilder by knockout. That, I just kind of felt like with the uh, style that he has and that jab that he has and what he learned from the first fight, I figured people would go with him. I am going to pick Deontay to win the rematch, but I think the public, I, I figured it would have been a fight that would have been in favor of uh, Tyson, a poll that would have been in favor of Tyson. Huh. Okay. I guess maybe I just don't have my finger on the pulse of the boxing community anymore since I've kind of I've kind of gone away from the sport. But in watching those two, I, you know, you and I have talked about this before. I'm not a guy that has a ton of respect for the ability of Fury. I think he does well for a guy his size, but when you compare him, just his overall skill and ability compared to the greats, he's he's not in that conversation. And it just, I don't know. There's something about the way he fights that drives me crazy. So I just, I, I, maybe I'm a little biased, but I, I, I'm with you. I think Wilder's going to win the fight. I would, and Wilder, by the way, very still with as many fights as he's got under his belt. His skill level, I mean, he punches as hard as anybody's ever punched in the heavyweight division, yet he's still incredibly raw. He's still very sort of robotic in the way that he moves. There's not a lot of flow to the way he fights. Yeah, I, I don't. he does not throw traditional punches. He doesn't have the combinations that you normally see uh, class, you know, a Muhammad Ali classic boxer throw. Um, but, you know, he, I think he has pretty good feet, and he gets his feet in a punching position very quickly. One of the reasons he punches so hard is he's able to turn from his back foot to his front foot very quickly, and a lot of force goes into those punches. And it takes good footwork to do that, not just hand speed and upper body strength. So he has that. He just isn't a traditionalist in terms of style. Yeah, and and I and for me, I think you could say that about Fury as well. I just he's He's a very awkward-looking guy. He's a very... Uh, kind of herky-jerky. It almost re- reminds me of John Ruiz back in the day, who was not fun to watch. He was effective. He he could win fights, but I didn't enjoy watching him. And I and I kind of put fewer, two different size guys, obviously, but just a really herky-jerky, awkward, not overly a pleasing style, I guess, is, is the best way I could describe it. But uh, anyway, mo- moving on. Uh, I guess we're we're getting that much closer to the return of Conor McGregor. It's the biggest news in in the sport right now. Uh, you know, Dana White's doing the countdown on his Twitter page: nine days, eight days, all of that. How fired up are you for the return of Conor McGregor as a guy that covers the sport and you're at every single event? Is this a big deal for you, or are you finally are you in a in a position where you're like, okay, finally, finally, I can 
talk about something he's actually doing in the cage rather than speculating on what may happen outside of it. You know, it's a little of both. You know, I'm excited because you know it's going to be a big event when Connor fights. There's going to be a lot of people there. The atmosphere is going to be crazy. And so that's always good to be part of. You know, you want to be part of those kind of events and and when people are into it and the anticipation's high. And so Connor brings that. So that's it, you know. But, you know, I'm disappointed to see a guy, one of the great fighters in UFC history, who really, you know, has, has faded away from the game, and yet he keeps getting big opportunities. Um, and I understand why. I mean, I'm not criticizing UFC. He makes a ton of money for the company, and he sells pay-per-views, and he sells tickets. So I understand why he does. But I wish he fought more regularly. He claims that in 2020 he's going to do that. You know, I'll, buy, I'll take him at his word, but let's see if he actually follows through on it. It, it, do you think he still has the fire to fight? I mean, he made such a, a truckload of money on the Floyd fight. He's making money off of his whiskey. Uh, he's got other revenue streams, obviously. Do you feel like he's still the same guy just in terms of drive? I have not seen that from him, and I think that that's what, you know, it's a great thing that you hit on. I mean, if Connor was a guy that had a passion for fighting, and, and he loved to train, and he loved to be in the gym. And now he's in board meetings, and he's, you know, traveling, you know, pitching products, and he's, you know, you mentioned his uh, whiskey company. He's also got August McGregor uh, uh, high-end clothing line, and he's doing really well with that. So he's working on that as much as he is on his fighting. And, you know, when you have as much money as he does, and you're at home, which you didn't have before, it's not as easy to get up when you don't need the money and you got to get up at four in the morning and go out and run. That's not so easy to do. And it's easy to turn the alarm clock off and say, I'll go out and do it later. And eventually it shows up in your performance. So we'll see uh, how motivated he really is. You know, he hasn't been all that accessible in this training camp. Um, so it's, it's hard to know sort of where he is. He just got to Las Vegas last week. Um, so we'll see him uh, starting uh, Monday and, and we'll kind of get a sense of uh, how hard he has worked and, and what kind of mental shape he's in, because I think that'll be as important as anything. I'm wondering if, if Cowboy Cerrone is the perfect opponent for his style, in which, and by that I mean Cowboy is such a notorious slow starter. It just seems like it takes him getting clocked a few times before he kind of just snaps to attention. For whatever reason, he's acknowledged it, yet it doesn't ever really change. And Connor's always been a quick starter, and we see him fade later in the fight. So it, it feels like the opening round is is the opportunity that where it really favors Connor in my opinion based on how their styles and how they attack the fight from that opening bell. What what do you think of that? I I think Connor is deservedly the favorite. I think he's a little bit less than a 3 to 1 favorite, and I think he deserves to be the favorite. I think he's the better fighter of the two and I think he's the harder puncher of the two. But I, I, and, and you're 100% right that uh, Cowboy is a slow starter, and that could put him at risk against somebody who punches as hard as McGregor does. But I also think McGregor has to be careful of uh, Cerrone's offense. Cerrone is a very good offensive fighter. And you get into a shootout with a guy like that, and you can always get clocked on the chin. And the fact that he hasn't been fighting a lot, you know, that it makes you wonder, is his chin going to be as sturdy as it once was? I think we know for a fact that the one thing about Conor McGregor, he's got a pretty doggone good chin. He's proven that time and, time and again in the ring, and the style he fights, and he's taken shots, and he's been able to uh, survive. So Donald Cerrone will provide him a challenge. I think Conor will win, and I think Conor will win by knockout. But it's not a walkover fight. So I think it's a pretty good fight to say it's his first fight in 15, 16 months. I think it's a good match for him. If he loses this, 
Could you see him walking away? Because it, it, I guess it goes back to the original question about his desire and does he still really want to do this because he is financially comfortable, he doesn't have to. If he were to lose again, I mean, you're talking about three losses in a row, essentially, if you count the Floyd fight and then uh, obviously Khabib Nurmagomedov and then this fight. Uh, you know, I'm wondering how much his star would be would be diminished and how, how much desire would be there if he were to lose this fight. I think, yeah, I think he would retire. I, I think he's on the verge of it. Like, I think he thinks he can make one last run, and I think he believes that, hey, if he gets the right fights, he can get the title back and, you know, and maybe uh, go out on his terms as the champion. Uh, I think it's going to be hard-pressed for him to ever beat Habib, in my opinion. Um, and if he were to lose to Donald Cerrone, I mean, you're, you're not losing to the prime Donald Cerrone. You're losing to the Donald Cerrone on the tail end of his career. And while Cerrone is one of the great fighters in UFC history, look, let's not forget, Donald Cerrone is the all-time most winningest fighter in the UFC history. If you if you lose to the guy at the end of his career, I just think, why would he want to do it again? So I think it's probably he's out if he doesn't win. The other part of this, which I don't love for Conor, Kevin, is is that they're fighting at 170. I think, obviously, Cer- Cerrone's a bigger guy. He's 6'1", I think. Connor's listed at 5'9", I believe, maybe 5'10". Um, but just, just in terms of carrying that weight, we I think Cerrone's looked better at 170 than he has at lighter weights, whereas Connor, I, I don't know if that's too – do you feel like maybe that's just too big a weight division for him, that he doesn't carry it going up against somebody who's just, just a bigger person naturally? Well, he fought Diaz at 170, and I thought he looked okay. And, you know, Diaz is a big guy. And I think that he's fighting this weight. He wants to go back to lightweight, but they're not going to cut weight. So basically, in Connor's mind, this is a lightweight fight. This is what he would weigh on fight night. He is not. He's going to go make 170 easy and then just come in the fight at 170, 172, as opposed to, you know, cutting down to 155, putting that stress on your body and then coming back. Now, there's a risk to that. I like the fact that you're not cutting weight, but the risk is if you do have to make 155 later, you know, how, what kind of strain are you putting on your body then? You haven't been through it for a while. So I think in a fight that you're more likely to win against Cerrone as opposed to Habib, I would try it against Cerrone, but I understand the rationale for him not doing it. Uh, as far as what would be next if he were to win this fight, and I'm with you, I expect him to win, but if, if he does win, we've heard Jorge Masvidal's, you know, he, he would rather fight him than fight for the belt. Obviously, everybody knows Connor's the money uh, the money fight, and, uh, you know, Kamaru Usman has said the same thing. It feels like there's a line of people that would love to fight Connor for the payday. Who would be the next realistic, logical fight for him if he is to get past Cerrone? Well, if he gets past Cerrone and is healthy, and that's a big question mark, then I think he would be the backup for uh, the Ferguson-Habib fight. That is what they would want to have. So he would have to go back in the training camp and be ready to be uh, the fighter in that fight. So that, to me, would be the number one thing that would go on. Um but if he were to actually fight, I think it, one of the two one of two people would be Masvidal or Justin Gaethje. The fight that I would like to see him take would be Justin Gaethje, and I think that that is a very realistic fight that they could make. Dana is a little bit mad at Justin Gaethje right now, uh, and so he doesn't necessarily want to give him the fight because he doesn't want to reward him for turning other fights down. But I think Gaethje, a Gaethje fight would uh, be incredible with Connor. Hey, uh, let me ask you about one other fighter on this card before I let you go, and that's uh, Showtime Pettis, who 
was at one point one of the biggest stars in the sport. He was on the cover of Weed, uh, the Wheaties box, and and he was uh, you know we've all seen that highlight eight thousand times of him throwing the kick off the cage and landing it on Benson Henderson and all that. But you look at who he's been since two thousand sixteen. He's alternating wins and losses every fight. I mean he's and he's taken a lot of damage in this time. I'm just wondering where he and he's he's moving further and further down on these cards just in terms of spotlight. It seems so. What what's left for Anthony Pettis? Is he a guy you look at as a legitimate contender anymore, or is he a name that guys are starting to look at and say, "Hey, people still know him. He did. He was one of the premier athletes in the sport at one time. So a win over him still means something." Yeah, I think a win over Pettis means something. He's still a great athlete. Look, I think the thing with him is that he's never going to be the champion again. I don't think he's at the level that a Habib is or a Tony Ferguson is. But I, you saw his fight with Tony Ferguson about a year ago. He's not that far off it. And I think he's a guy that would be, could be a top five, top ten fighter for a while if he wants to do that. Um, he hasn't taken a tremendous amount of damage. And he told me before his fight with Nate Diaz in August that he really felt like maybe he had blown two years of his career where mentally he wasn't as committed to it as he was earlier in his career, didn't train as hard, and, and now he's, he, he said he was back into it. So I think, you know, if Diaz, uh, excuse me, if uh, Pettis is really focused on it, I think he can still be one of the better fighters in the world. I don't think he's ever going to be the champion again, but I think he can really be a high-end fighter. Hey, one, one more before I let you go back to boxing, before I let you go. Give me your – who's the best pound-for-pound fighter in the sport right now? I, I argue that it's Bud Crawford. Others are giving me Lomachenko. And uh, I, to me, the resume sits behind Crawford at this point. But wh- who are you with? I have Canelo. I think I had I had really? Crawford for the longest period of time. After Canelo won the light heavyweight title, beat Kovalev, I just thought, look at what he has done. He's moved up from weight. He's taken on top guys. He's been there for a long, long time. And I think you have to give it to somebody. He beat Gennady Golovkin. He beat Sergey Kovalev. He beat Danny Jacobs. Uh, a lot of really big wins. Uh, only lost to Floyd Mayweather. Uh, I have Canelo number one, Bud Crawford number two. Where do you have Loma? Three. Three. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's always an interesting. That's a pretty good top three, I'll tell you. It's a very good top three, and I'd like to see two of those guys fight each other at some point. You ever see that, Crawford and Lomachenko? I don't think Crawford and Lomachenko, but I think we're moving toward a uh, Crawford and Errol Spence. Lomachenko is a small lightweight, and it, he could actually make featherweight right now. So he could go down two divisions to mm. 126 whereas Crawford is a legitimate welterweight match. You know, I think that's too big for Loma. But I think you'll see uh, Loma fight Teofimo Lopez uh, in April or May of this coming year. And Crawford, I think, is moving toward a fight with Errol Spence, which would be a super fight. Kevin Ioli of YahooSports.com. Always a pleasure to speak with you. He does a great job covering boxing, covering MMA. So check him out, YahooSports.com. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Kevin I on Twitter. Kevin, thank you so much, as always, for taking time with us. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it.